On the new podcast, American Criminal, you'll learn about the fraud, theft, and murder that marks the dark side of the American dream. Like the Menendez murders, was it two greedy kids who killed their parents for money, or is there more? Listen to American Criminal wherever you get your podcasts. A while back, I saw this date that we are recording on in a story about a TV show that I used to watch a long time ago. And it turns out, February 2nd, 1973, 50 years ago from our recording session today, was the debut of the Midnight Special. Now, did you watch that when you were a kid, Marcus? I didn't watch it when I was a younger kid, but I did, looking at some of the performances, recognize them and be like, oh my God, I saw that. Oh my God, I saw that. Some of it was on those KTEL collections of video type things. Yeah. But it was pretty late because it started in 73, so that's 50 years ago. You were probably too young still to stay up till 1 o'clock in the morning after the Tonight Show, right? My parents wouldn't let me be anywhere near staying up that late in that year. No chance. To watch a rock concert on TV? Nope. They couldn't necessarily monitor? Nope. They weren't going to stay up. There was no way they were going to let me stay up. So what a great occasion to celebrate this TV show that turned so many people on to so much music. I mean, it was a rock concert every week, but it didn't start out that way. It's time to talk about that midnight special on the imbalanced history of rock and roll. I'm Ray Coop. I'm Marcus Goldman. It's going to be fun, man. It's going to be fun. Well, I loved Bandstand. I loved Soul Train. Very, very, very rarely did anybody perform live on those shows, whereas... You get to hear these performers perform live with the crowd in the background, and you really get that feel. And when we get into it, we'll talk more about some of those incredible performances that we uh, both probably looked back at over the last week or so getting ready for this episode. Some really amazing performances. didn't start out as a tv series in fact there was nothing on tv at one o'clock in the morning ever tvs went to that test pattern that we always heard about when we were kids and never really saw because we were never up at that time i well you saw it earlier in the morning before saturday cartoons started because sometimes you would turn it on a few minutes early and it would still be there and then boom saturday cartoons Now, Burt Sugarman is the man behind a lot of this tomfoolery, and he was already a name in the game when he got the idea for this show. And he took it to NBC, and I think it's best to let him and the man who would introduce every episode of the Midnight Special get us started on this episode all about that great TV show. 
On August 19, 1972, a late-night program was broadcast right here on NBC, and the name of that show was The Midnight Special. And now, the great Burt Sugarman on the imbalanced history of rock and roll. After The Tonight Show on Friday nights, television went to black. There was nothing on. Right now, there's movies all night. You see all kinds of reruns on, but there was nothing. I thought it would be terrific, just terrific, if I could come up with some type of show that people might want to watch after 1 o'clock when The Tonight Show ended with Johnny Carson. And it led to me thinking that, well, it has to appeal to uh, younger people. That sounds like music, something in the music business, and it, it started there. So we get an idea of how he got the idea for the show, but how does he get it going? Where does he put it? What does he do with it? Because nobody is doing that yet. So he has to find a way in, right? When I first went to NBC to try and sell Midnight Special to them, the normal network resistance was there. Well, why would you want to do that? These rock acts won't show up. They're not going to be there. They won't do it. I was sure that most of the acts would show up. I wasn't sure that all of the acts would show up. How would I know? I'd never done anything like that before. I produced television shows and some game shows and things, but I didn't know for sure because I had the idea that it was an election year and therefore let's do a show to get out the vote. Let's get young people who turned 18 to get out to vote. And if I could get them as viewers, we'd be in business. And then of course, NBC said no. I went back to NBC and I said, I will do the first show at my cost and I'll license it to NBC. With that, they said, okay. He needed that little wedge to push himself in. You know, that first step is always the hardest and he had to find a way to make it happen. Well, it didn't hurt that he had connections from producing shows like Celebrity Sweepstakes or The Wizard of Oz or the great late Richard Pryor's TV show. People knew him, so they would listen. Half the battle, I guess. But he had to sell the show. And who better to tell us how he did it than Bird himself? I had about six weeks from day one to the day the show was going to air on NBC. So I started hiring acts. And one of them I called was a fellow named Jerry Weintraub. Called Jerry and said, Jerry, you've got some wonderful acts. Anybody you would like on the Midnight Special that would fit in the concept. Jerry said, well, I've got this fella. His name is John Duchendorf, and we're changing it to John Denver. He's got a wonderful voice. And I said, I've heard a song or two of his. He's terrific. He'd be a great guest. He said, no, no, no. He has to host the show. Hiya, Cass. Hiya, John. How you doing? Fine and dandy. I'm great, too. I didn't ask you how you doing. <laughs> well, I, I like to say it once in a while because it makes me feel Just better. to remind yourself. Sure, you sure. Okay. You know how it That's is. That's all right. We taped the show. And it immediately went on NBC on a Friday night, 1 to 2.30 in the morning. They had not done that before, first time in television. Monday morning following the pilot, the first broadcast of Midnight Special, the phone rang early in the morning, and it was the gentleman from NBC who first said no. He said, I think we have something here. The show's ratings were absolutely through the roof. And I want to talk to you immediately about doing a series. Can you imagine getting the green light after being told no so quickly? Then, you know, you only have a short period of time to get it all together. What to do? What to do, Marcus? I know a challenge. He had like six weeks to put it all together and to land the artists. He He had to land these artists and get them to agree, man. That's a big deal on a short 
turnaround, and that's super hard to do. But his idea was really solid, and it was something that obviously music people believed in because it was a way to get to the youth, and that was important. We're pretty much just talking about music so far because that's what we discovered the most of on the Midnight Special, but there was more to it. People associate the Midnight Special with music only, but we had the best comedians of their time. People like Steve Martin, Billy Crystal, Bill Cosby, Red Fox, they're all here. Why don't you uh, get together with him and y'all go somewhere and walk in the traffic about three days? And I insist when you have only one M&M left, you have an M. The first comedian to ever appear in the Midnight Special was George Carlin. He was on show two. So that was the combination of great comics, great musicians, great singers. And that was the start of the Midnight Special. The guy had vision. You got to admit it, man. He did, and he knew how to reach the younger demographics, not only with music, but with entertainment. He had Andy Kaufman on his show as a performer, entertainer, a oh my few God. times We're going to get into well. talking about all of that, and all of it's geared towards the people who were my age, a little older, and maybe a little younger. And by the time this show gets into its prime, it's starting to appeal to people who are in your age group who are a few years younger than me. You know what I'm saying? Absolutely. And some of the comics that were on the show, like Freddie Prinze, Red Fox, edgy, edgy comedians who wouldn't get on TV during quote-unquote primetime hours because even the pictures they painted were edgy, even if they didn't use the words that were direct and they were racy, and that freaked the networks out. So, And your mother. Yes. My mother, too. Yep, all of our parents. And they were like, hey, it's okay for us, but hell no, it's not okay for you. <laughs> you know what didn't freak my mother out? What? Billy Davis Jr. She just thought he was the most handsome guy. Him and uh, that Marilyn McCoo, you know, they were awesome. Everybody in those days, including Billy Davis Jr., had their own imitation of the guy who was the announcer, the host with the most, right? The Wolfman, Wolfman Jack. And here's Bert and Billy Davis telling us about how the Wolfman became the glue. All right, we're going to be right back with more of the Midnight Special. One of the staff members came up with the idea of Wolfman Jack as a type of announcer on the show. We all thought that was an interesting idea. He'd been in American Graffiti. He had a very, very unique voice. He looked terrific but unusual. But I thought it was just a wonderful idea. Wolfman came out, and we used him on a show, and from that moment, he was the glue that held Midnight Special together. The Midnight Special's late, late concert is coming up. If I'm lying, I'm dying. Oh, my, so you just keep on watching, baby, and you let the Midnight Special shine its ever-loving light on you. Now, one of the things I didn't know that I learned just around the time we started talking about this is that Bert Sugarman has been married for a long time to America's sweetheart, Mary Hart. Remember her? I remember Mary Hart. Yep. She did entertainment tonight. I forgot about her. She was also Miss South Dakota in 1970 and a semifinalist for Miss America in 71. Do you know where you can find Mary Hart every night during baseball season when the Dodgers are at home? At the game? Behind home plate. She's always there. Look for her. And Mary Hart's part in the equation, just one of the many little things we'll find out as we go along the way here on the Midnight Special. Like an example, 
ELO had more appearances than any other band with seven. I know, that's so crazy to think about. And they hosted it, I think, twice in those seven appearances. Oh, and the hosts, man. Holy cow. All through all the paperwork and the research I'm finding, anytime somebody was a guest or a guest host, it was differentiated. Helen Reddy is somebody who was on as a a guest many times and a host many times. And a guest host a few times. She was the host for the first two years, basically. Chubby Checker was a guest host. Curtis Mayfield was a guest host. She had a great relationship with Dionne Warwick. She was a guest host. Ted Nugent was a guest host, and I watched what? him introduce Cheap Trick. So you had so many different people. Jim Croce was a guest host. So they went wild with the amount of hosts that they had. Ray Charles, Richard Pryor. Oh, my goodness. And you mentioned Jim Croce. He was one of the few artists that convinced Dick Clark to let him play live on bandstand. But when you listen to him playing live on the Midnight Special, the man is in full flight, so much more comfortable. Great stuff. Operator, well, could you help me place this car? See the number on the medical gets old and faded. She's living in LA with my best old ex-friend Ray. Gosh, she said she knew it and sometimes hated. Isn't there the way they say it goes? But let's forget all that And give me the number if you can't find it So I can call just to tell them I'm fine And to show I overcome the blow Learn to take it well I only wish my words could just convince myself That it just wasn't real But that's not the way it feels and before we go too far, we got to talk about the great Johnny Rivers. He was known on his own for his career. He did a lot of TV and movie themes, right? Like Secret Agent Man and all mm-hmm. that. Yep. But he was the guy who did their version of the Midnight Special and was an occasional guest host. That's so cool. Chuck Berry even was a guest host, too. Everybody wanted to do it once it started to happen. Think about it. They had the setting. The auditorium was set. The stage was set. Everybody got their name and lights behind them. Well, if that's what they wanted. If not, they tried to accommodate them with what they did want. Like, look at the footage of Sly and the Family Stone doing Thank You for Letting Me Be Myself. And they had to construct a special set just for them, just to accommodate all the players. it took now the one thing i gotta tell you as we go into this whole thing where we're getting all these brain blasts about things we've seen before 
The other main source for seeing a lot of bands was Don Kirshner's rock concert. Remember that. But through most of the 70s, they were both airing live concerts every week. It was like an overload. You never knew what you were going to see, so you tuned them both in. Like you said, looking back, recognizing this performance and that performance and being like, oh my God, I remember that. And one of them I remember is the stripped down version of ELO's Evil Woman, which was so beautiful. were being banged and played it was so beautiful and again so raw and stripped down before like the final produced version of which you heard on the album and it just sounded so good and to hear a band with that big of a sound stripped down on a smaller stage playing it was really cool and i think we got to see that with other bands like when uh chic did la freak it was pretty incredible and pretty stripped down as well um earthwood and fire the commodores did that they all had a large number of people on stage so we got to hear these almost stripped down versions that just really moved you and it was really fun watching these old videos One of the reasons I think it made so much impact was it was video. Most of the time when we saw bands on television, it was film being aired over video through a, you know the video film link chain, right? Mm-hmm. This was video live, 70s style. You know that a single girl can get into a lot of trouble all alone in beautiful downtown Burbank. <laughs> <laughs> You know, a terrible thing happened the other day. I was playing golf with Jim Henderson, yeah. and I sliced my drive, see, yeah. and went over the fence, through a windshield, and caused a terrible accident. No kidding. What are you going to do about it? I think I'm going to try moving my right hand over a little bit. Whacker! <laughs> shut up! <laughs> Who's there? Boo! Boo! Who? Well, if you're going to cry about it, I won't cry. <laughs> it looked more like the same video is on laughing than it did, you know film of Woodstock. It was hip, it was cool, and it was happening. Oh, by the way, the ratings were, as they would say back in the studio days, out of sight, man. (laughs) Think about it in terms of what it was. It was a barren wasteland. From one o'clock in the morning when Johnny Carson signed off until the news team came on in everybody's cities. It was a whole different ballgame as far as TV and entertainment. There were three networks in PBS. Then later, you know, the UHF came along. But it was nothing after one o'clock in the morning. And the fact that he was able to pull it off the way he did as well gave it even a little bit more significance to the story because, again, the network was kind of like, oh, I don't know, but it's one in the morning. Well, I don't know. It's one in the morning. And it's like, (laughs) nobody will watch it. Well, it's one in the morning. Who cares? Test it. You and know who was watching? 
the largest group of American teenagers ever mm-hmm. in the 1970s. Every week, every band mattered. And the thing was, once he got it going, he just had to fill in the slots of who was coming through town. They knew where the place was. They knew what the deal was. They come in. They did their song. They filmed it. The crowd goes crazy. Next band comes along. They move out. They come in. And it would go on during a production all day whenever they had bands who were doing the production for that week or putting stuff in the can for the next week, whatever it was. It was a constant go and a constant flow in the studio there at the Midnight Special. So what do you say we grab a beer, change our socks, get back into it? Yeah, back then in 1974, I would never have had a beer when I was 16. So I I can have one now, though. Right, Dad? Oh, absolutely. Let's go to Crooked Eye and back with more. And the Midnight Special at 50 on the Imbalance History of Rock and Roll. It's always great to stop here in the middle of the Imbalance History podcast and have a little pint at Crooked Eye in the heart of Hapro, pouring the cure for what ails you since 2014. But that doesn't say much about what they are and what they do. Crooked Eye is one of those brew pubs that is really tight within the community. And you really get a warm, friendly vibe when you walk in there. They've always got music. There's food now because of the Salty Vets barbecue, and they keep bringing out new brews on a regular basis as well as the old standbys. The winter brews are on the board. Go in and have one and check out some of that Salty Vets barbecue as well. And the entertainment at Crooked Eye, it's always changing, so follow them on Facebook and Twitter. Grab some friends, grab a date, head on over to Crooked Eye for some lovely beers and wonderful food and great atmosphere. In the heart of Hatboro, pouring the cure for what ails you. They are Crooked Eye Brewery, and we thank them for their support of the Imbalance Podcast for about a million years now. Here in the wintertime, you still need a great sock because you're going to find a way to work out. Like when it got warm the other day and you told me you were going for a ride. You know, you got to have great socks. And since they started sponsoring our podcast last year, I know when you hit the road, you've got a pair of bold foot socks on those feet. I do. I love my bold foot socks, whether I'm riding outdoors or spinning on a spin bike. They wick the sweat off my feet so I don't get that mushy, yucky, swampy foot feel after doing something athletic. And when it's 40, 50 degrees and the wind can drop the temperature down another 10, having a sock like Boldfoot on to keep your foot a little warmer makes a big difference when you ride. Sometimes when I wake up in the morning, I can hear Marisa working out downstairs and I know that she's got her bold foots working overtime when she's working out with Jillian, you know? Definitely. Whether you're working out or going for a ride, or if you're an aggressive walker, you got to check out boldfoot.com. You can pick your design. They have so many to choose from, and a portion of all sock sales go directly to veterans' charities. And, of course, all socks are made in the USA. Veteran-owned, American-sewn. It's Boldfoot Socks. Thanks for the support, gang. Hey, Pantheon listeners, Christian Swain here. You caught me just finishing up some editing on Getting Real with John and Beth. I want to share my first experience with Factor Meals for you. I think you'll find this interesting because I bet the same thing happens to you. I had just received my first shipment from Factor Meals the other day, and I was excited to try one of the prepared restaurant-quality meals for myself. 
Anyway, I was working away and noticed it was very late and it was my night to make dinner. I jumped up and headed to the kitchen, went to grab the ingredients for the dish I was going to make and realized I was missing a prime ingredient. Well, I could make a run to the store or I could make one of my new factor meals. <laughs> Actually, the choice was easy. I grabbed a cavatappi, an Italian-style pork ragu with garlic broccoli, heated the oven per instructions, and minutes later was enjoying a very delicious, nutritious, and dietitian approved meal. It really was everything factor meals said it would be. No prep, no mess meals. Factor meals are 100% ready to heat and eat. Take it from me and head to factormeals.com slash pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. That's factormeals.com slash Pantheon50 and use the code Pantheon50 to get 50% off. It's the Midnight Special at 50 on the Imbalance History of Rock and Roll. Ray Coob and Marcus Goldman talking about this great TV show that brought so much music to our door. Yeah, it turned us on to a lot of music that we had not heard as well as we got to see these performers perform live these songs that we were hearing on the radio so we could put faces with the songs and that was really important or in many cases discovering artists who you had not yet heard on the radio and the show went on for years it had its ups and it had its downs but it kept going with some of the most top flight talent available every season yeah people really wanted to be on this show especially once they started getting a little bit of traction with the hit song they knew that this was a great way to reach the younger audience and they knew it was a way for the younger audience to get a chance to get to know them as the musicians. Baby, I love you. Come, come, come into my arms. Let me know the wonder of all of you. Baby, I want you now. Now, now, and hold on fast. You would think it would go on forever, but not so fast, mister. In 1983, Dick Ebersol was asked to take over Saturday Night Live at the request of NBC. He's the one who decided to cancel the midnight special because he felt that they needed to fix SNL and he didn't have time to develop a new show from scratch, which sounds like he was going to reimagine the Midnight Special. So instead, they canceled the Midnight Special and replaced it with SCTV, the Canadian comedy sketch show based out of Toronto. So we lost the Midnight Special, but we gained access to all this really incredible comedy that was coming in from Canada, people who are now part of our culture and everyday life when it comes to TV and movies and everything, right? Absolutely. And of course, music never went away and the promotion or spreading the word of music never went away because MTV stepped right on in at about that time and took over with music videos. But... They never did the live thing the way the Midnight Special did. And I think that 
live aspect is what made that show so, so special. It almost seems like there's something that's beyond the facade that happened to kill this thing because it seemed to have an eternal source of music and support and viewers. It wasn't the ratings that killed it, right? Absolutely not. And if you think about the 80s, pop was amazing in the 80s. Metal was amazing in the 80s. The hardcore punk scene was amazing in the 80s. So could you imagine how crazy the Midnight Special would have been had it continued through the 80s? I think the music would have had a bigger impact. I think you're right, my friend. When you look back at it, the clothing of the hosts and the performers all look stated. The whole thing, right? Because mm-hmm. it's 30, 40 years ago, 40 now. Mm-hmm. So it's hard to believe that we went from having nothing to having all of that. And then back to nothing for a while. I guess Kirshner's concerts kept going on for a little while longer. Tonight on Don Kirshner's Rock Concert. Bad company. We have a very special show for you tonight. The Beatles were a super group. The Led Zeppelin is a super group. And tonight we have the most talked about group in America and England. Bad company. But this was amazing. Because you could see and hear just about anything every week. On the Midnight Special. Like? Everything from Bo Diddley to Blood, Sweat, and Tears. Billy Paul did Me and Mrs. Jones. And I'm talking about just the first season. You had Curtis Mayfield. David Bowie did Space Oddity in 73 on that show. Did you see that fucking footage? Ground control to me.
also the year that ELO made their very first appearance on the Midnight Special. Seems somebody in the uh, production end really loved that band. And one of the names that cracked me up that I saw was Hoyt Axton, the folk singer. I was like, that's wild that he was on that show because we used to have to sing Marvelous Toy in elementary school music class. Everybody wanted to be on the Midnight Special, and it seems like Bert Sugarman found a slot for just about everybody, man. Pretty amazing to see who and how many and what variety was presented. I know. Olivia Newton-John, Have You Never Been Mellow, Neil Sedaka, Bad Blood and Breaking Up is hard Oh my to God, do. he's going into the rabbit hole, ladies and gentlemen, help me pull him out. Minnie Ripperton, Roxy Music, and the same year that Neil Sedaka was on, the Ohio Players, Glenn Campbell, Helen Reddy, the Hollies. Oh, my God, what a lineup. Hart did a couple of uh, songs in 1976. Fleetwood Mac started making appearances on the Midnight Special. And one of special. your favorites all times when we're in this part of the rabbit hole, man, one of your favorites, Seals and Crofts doing Summer Breeze. Let me tell you, it's one of my favorite clips I found this whole expedition. Oh yeah. And then Marvin Gaye came in. You had Chuck Berry back in the day. Gino Vanelli, that dude had a couple of radio soft rock hits back in the 70s. Lou Rawls, oh, sweet. One of the things that I saw for the first time, maybe even before I heard it on the radio, was this band called Redbone. The video shows them doing their full presentation in native gear. American native people, Redbone. Come and get your love. Come and get your love now on the Midnight Special. such a great song and in the early days they had earth wind and fire i watched the shining star performance from 75 in 75 they also had peter frampton on and he did three songs show me the way do you feel like we do baby i love your way Never fails. Must have been a dream. 
it's incendiary those clips from that performance and that's what you got fiery rock and roll cool pop all kinds of soul it was hot it was cool it was all that everything in between anything you could think of could show up on your tv screen when you were watching the midnight special but some of the things I found surprised me, Marcus, like the car's performance of just what I needed that sounded really hot. They were really good live back in the early days, and I saw them live in the 80s, and it was a really fun show. ACDC was on there in the age of disco in 78 doing Sin City. <laughs> That's just crazy. Here's another one that I found along my adventure in the Midnight Special wormhole. Um, it's this version of the Steve Miller band doing Fly Like an Eagle with a long, spacey, chunky intro. There's a song, Marcus, you and I have a fascination with, a common affinity, if you will. And I've realized that the first time I saw them perform it, was on the Midnight Special. You know I'm talking about the Brothers Johnson and, and Strawberry Letter 23. How about Fleetwood Mac doing Rhiannon when they were new? I know, so crazy that a young Fleetwood Mac was on there right before they took over the world. A couple other performances that I saw that were pretty wild on here. Robert Fripp did Frippertronics on here. I'm Robert Fripp, and... This is Frippertronics. Probably blew the minds of all these young kids going, what the fuck is that? That's crazy. Roy Orbison hosted one of the final episodes. Your boy Mark Boland, T-Rex, doing Bang a Gong, indented it into the minds of kids across America. Nick Gilder, Hot Child in the City. I remember when that was new. The Jacksons doing Shake Your Body Down to the Ground. Dolly Parton's I Will Always Love You. Crystal Gale, who I first heard about because my dad and mom were totally into her. At one point, I'm watching this video, and I am certain that he is lip syncing, something that I know did not happen on the Midnight Special. And the closer I watched, the more I realized, no, Johnny Nash was really singing I Can See Clearly Now. That clean, that good. I can see clearly now as the rain is gone. I can see all obstacles in my way. Gone are the dark clouds that had me blind. It's gonna be a bright Unbelievable performance on the Midnight Special. The fact that we also got to hear Aerosmith in 74 with Train Kept a Rollin' and Dream On, Barry really White. Really slow and chunky, right? Yep. I checked that one out again. Curtis Mayfield doing Superfly, one of the exploitation yeah. songs, and just oh, killing man, it. Oh, man, I love that version, man. It is so good because it's all live and real, you know? 
Radar Love was in there in the early days. Ike and Tina just crushed it when they were on doing Proud Mary. I watched the video clip of that, and it sounded so good. I remember when Leo Sayer was on it and cracked up at how people were really having fun with him, and it was really another fun episode. Midnight at the Oasis, remember that AC or soft rock song from the 70s, Maria Moldauer? Helen Reddy was one of the regular hosts of the Midnight Special. Her version on the show of Delta Dawn is a classic. She's 41 and her daddy still calls her baby. All the folks around Brownsville say she's crazy. Cause she walks downtown with her suitcase in her Looking for a mysterious dark-haired man. And Germany's Kraftwerk did the title track from the Autobahn album, which is just so wild to think about. I have to find that video and check it out. Kiss appeared and did Black Diamond, Deuce, and She in 75 during the early days. Another one where it was the first time I saw them was War doing Cisco Kid. What a great version live. Absolutely live. That was cool, too, because... At that point, I hadn't seen a live concert or a live rock band. To me, this was the coolest shit ever, right? Heck yeah. And even uh, Waylon Jennings on the country's end of the spectrum with Tammy Wynette were on some of the early episodes. So they really represented the big tree of rock and roll very well. He did a great job with his booking and getting musicians out that would draw the kids to stay up late and watch it. You know how the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame recently redefined their mission and all? The Midnight Special was doing that mission full on, 100%, back in the 70s and 80s, man. Everybody was in there. Everybody was getting play. And the end result is a lot of great memories for people who are of a certain age. Quit aging us, damn it. I'm trying to turn the clocks back, but it's not working, Mary. <laughs> it will never work, Ira. I also saw that XTC was on there. Thin Lizzy performed a couple of songs. Young Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers were on there. Rufus, which would have been amazing. Diana Ross, of course. Roxy Music. You know, Ray, sadly, great things like the Midnight Special come to yes. an end at some yes. point. Sadly, Marcus, it all comes to an end. Yes. Crashing down and boom, it explodes and implodes. And it just Why are my balls so low? Oh, my, it's so nice to have the Ohio players back. You know, I promised Wolfram and I'd have him back. It's her, it's her favorite group, you see. It makes her howl, makes her dance and do crazy things with her tail. <laughs> Everybody, let's welcome the Ohio players. The eight years that it, the Midnight Special was on TV had a momentous impact on live music because it really introduced 
the viewers of the show to these bands and it gave them another way to connect with the musicians and it gave the musicians another way to connect with an audience and find new fans because they were able to perform their songs so well live on TV. You know who was one of those artists who benefited greatly from that was the great Linda Ronstadt. Her version of Long, Long Time on the Midnight Special, one of those highlights in your episode Discovery Mission. What a great ride here as we uh, roll back in the imbalanced time machine to the 1970s, 50 years, 1973, when we did the session for this episode um, for an anniversary of a show that many, many millions of Americans, at least, and maybe around the globe, I have no idea how well it spread, but people love the Midnight Special when it was on, man. How could they not? It was great live music late at night and fun to watch every single week it was on. So, dude, used to get a six-pack of beer and a doobie, wake up mom and dad, fell asleep, and then we turn on the midnight special, man. (laughs) (laughs) That's going to do it for this episode at the 50th anniversary for the midnight special. If you'd like to be in touch about what we're talking about on this episode or anything else, you can always be in touch on email or social media. On social media, you can find us across Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at The Imbalanced History of Rock and Roll. And if you want to email us, imbalancedhistory at gmail.com. Or you can go to our website, imbalancedhistory.com, and fill out a contact form there as well. Production of Dark Duck Media. It's time to go... But before we do, we want to thank you for tuning into this in every episode of the podcast. I'm Ray Koo. I'm Marcus Goldman. And this is the Imbalance History of Rock and Roll. What would you do to achieve the American dream? The big house, the happy family, the money. 911, what's your emergency? Would you put in the hours? Would you take a big swing? What's the problem? What's the problem? Would you lie? Would you cheat? Would they shop? Would they shop? Would you kill? Yes. <laughs> My mom is dead. My mom is right there. From airship. 
the studio behind American Scandal comes a new true crime history podcast. I'm Jeremy Schwartz, and I'll be taking you inside the minds of some of our most notorious felons and outlaws, exploring the dark side of the American dream. In my new show, American Criminal, you'll meet the picture-perfect brothers who killed their parents, the thief who stole babies, the crypto king who siphoned off billions and plenty more. From assassins and gangsters to killers and con artists, whatever the case, whoever the criminal, you don't know the full story until now. Don't miss the debut season of American Criminal, The Menendez Brothers, beginning February 29th. Listen wherever you get your podcasts, or to get early ad-free access to the entire season first, plus hundreds of other ad-free history podcast episodes, subscribe at intohistory.com.